All right, guys, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. We're going to look at the last section of verses there, verses 25 through 36. And today we're going to wrap up. You know, Paul had been talking as we've gone through Romans. He basically, first three chapters, talked about the condemnation of the world and the different groups, different reasons why people are going to hell. He then focused then on justification, that is our acceptance with God, our reconciliation with him. Then he moved then to you and I living in that acceptance, living by the Spirit, being sanctified. And then he just kind of wanted to kind of go off chapters 9, 10, and 11 because he has a heart for the Jews and he's wanting us to understand why is it that they don't believe yet and what, what's God doing through that. And, and through that, it gives us a greater understanding of his sovereignty, of his plan, because we don't really understand. And so it's especially today, he's going to reveal to us a mystery. And he's, he's going to point out to us that everything is moving to a point. And we sometimes forget that. Everything is moving to a point. So here's the thing. I, I, I've gotten, I guess as I'm getting older, things bother me, but I, I kind of have to keep it in perspective with what's going on in our world and our nation. I, I look at everything and I have to remind myself that you're moving everything, Lord, to a point. Did you understand what I'm saying? We like to not, we don't, I, I, what am I saying? I, and I, I'm thinking you're like this too, just want to deal with now. With the dreams I have now. With the goals that I want to accomplish now. I even like to think in terms of what I would like to see happen in our community and in our nation and so forth. What I want. But I have to remind myself this isn't the George show. Did you understand what I'm saying? This isn't my opinion doesn't matter. And you you know about opinions they're like armpits. Everyone has one and they stink. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's not about my and and I and here I am. I have a pretty good understanding of the scripture. I can make my opinion sound very spiritual. Did you know do you understand what I'm saying? But it's not about my opinion. It's about what God wants. And whether I realize it or not, I'm going to keep talking about me. He's moving everything to a point. And that point is, this is where we've got to get, get real sometimes and let loose of some things and don't get so angry. The thing, the point he's moving to is Jesus Christ coming back. Understand that. It's about Jesus and him setting things right. Folks, he's the only one who's going to set everything right. Do you understand? Human beings can't do that. History is riddled with people who try. They only created greater problems. And so everything is moving to a point, and that's exactly what he's going to talk about here because, again, he's going to reflect on his brethren whom he loves. He loves his people. Did you, do you understand what I'm saying? He loves his people. He loves who he's from. He's a Jew. He loves the Jews. And, and it's not like God has given up on them. He's actually going to point out to us 
that we don't know everything and that God's moving it to a point where he's got a plan for them. And that's what he's going to talk about. The focus needs to be not on us and everything else that's happening around us and what we think about it and what we think should happen. The focus needs to be the Lord. And sometimes he does things the way I don't want him to do them. Why do you think he said to John, blessed is he who's not offended because of me? John's sitting in a prison thinking, the Messiah, is this the Messiah? Should we look for another? And he says, go and tell him what you see. Quoting messianic passages to prove who he is. But then he says, blessed are you if you're not offended because of me. Meaning sometimes God's plan doesn't fit with your plan about how you think things should be. But he's going to tell you that we're moving to a point. So he's going to show us what it is that his plan is. So let's look at it together. We're going to look at verses 25 to 36. We're going to talk about the mystery and what it means for us. Look with me. Verse 25. What a way to start out. Lest you be wise in your own sight. Oh, what a way to start out, huh? Lest you be wise in your own sight. I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins as regards the gospel as regards the gospel they are enemies for your sake but with regards to election they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable let me read that again some of you need to hear that for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable for just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too now have been disobedient in order that mercy, in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also might receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor and who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. All right, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to try and get this understanding here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, we're going to see the mystery, and then we're going to talk about the current reality right now that's happening in the world, because we need to grasp that understanding, and then we're going to see the sovereign God. So let's take a look at the mystery. All right, so first thing, he starts off with, lest you be wise in your own eyes. Basically, 
Don't think you're too smart. Don't think you figured it out. Here's what he's saying here. The Lord remind us that we haven't figured everything out. Do you know what I'm saying? You haven't figured everything out. You kind of have to get to the place where, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm a news guy. I always have been. But you almost kind of have to turn the news off. Why? Because there ain't no good that comes out of it. I get more angry listening to the news than anything. Do you know what I mean? Just let me just turn it off. Why? Because I'm, I'm looking at it and then I get all fired up and I'm like, what is going on? What are they thinking? They're not thinking. That comes out of my mouth a lot. They're not even thinking anymore. And I just get so riled up. I get riled up. But then I have to remind myself yeah, but he's still on the throne. He didn't take a nap. He doesn't sleep or slumber. Scripture tells us that, right? And everything is within his control and everything is moving to a point. And so the thing that I'm royally mad about fits in his plan. So who am I going to look to? And I have to get to the place where I realize I haven't figured this out. I mean, I have dreams. I have plans. But I've, you know what? I've lived life now too, right? You know what I'm saying? So like when we had our children and we were there and, and I remember when Lori carried them and, and I, I would pray over her and I'd pray for that child. And, and, and we've had dreams for our kids. And, and you think when you're, when you're a young parent that you're going to write their story. You ever been there? You think you're going to write your story for your kids until you realize, uh, no, you don't write their story. They write their own stories. So you get, just deal with it. They write their stories. You're, you're not in control. Do you, do you understand? And, 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 and I haven't figured it all out for them. I try to figure it out for them, but they quit asking me what I think about it. You know what I'm saying? Because, and you've quit asking your parents about what they think about it. You, you are on your own. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and the reality is, is just like I've had to learn that with family, I've, I have to learn that with life. I can't figure it out. I can't write the story. And, and he's saying to me, lest I be wise in my own, I'm not wise. He has to show me what he's doing, and that's exactly what he's going to do here. He's going to show us a mystery. He's going to, what, and what is the mystery here? That Israel's unbelief is temporary until the full number of the Gentiles has been saved. So again, he's getting back to the reality about his overall heart is for Israel to be saved. But they're not saved. They're rejecting. But in the meantime, God is saving Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? That's you and I. And what he's saying is, I'm, I'm going to reveal to you a mystery. Everything is moving to a point. At some point, they're going to be saved, but right now, they're not saved. Why? Until the full number. Well, our scripture reads the fullness of the Gentile. The actual translation is full number. That's basically till the last Gentile who's supposed to get saved gets saved. When is that? I don't know. Who is it? I don't know either. 
But I do know things that scripture tells me that Jesus says until the gospel goes out to every people in the world, then the end will come. I can tell you right now there are 5,000 people groups that have never heard about Jesus yet. 5,000 have never heard about Jesus. And they're Gentile groups. So we haven't figured it out. And, and so what he's saying here is, is that Israel's unbelief. So if you were to go over right now to Israel, the majority of the nation doesn't like Christians. They're not embracing Jesus. Now, there's some positive things that are happening over there, but on a small scale. On a small scale. In fact, you know, when you look at the Scripture, you and I know that the Scripture says that there will be 144,000 Jews who will be set aside for a special purpose in the end times, right? Can I tell you right now, there aren't 144,000 Christians, Jews in the nation. Maybe only 40. The remainder are all Palestinian Christians. Wow. How do we get there? God gets us there. We're all moving to a point. This is what I want you to understand. This is the mystery. So the third thing I want you to see, look with me at verse 27. He says this. And, verse 26, and in this way Israel will be saved. It is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish the ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. When will this happen? Israel will be saved when the deliverer has come. Who's the deliverer? Anybody know? Jesus. That's when they'll be saved. When Jesus comes, when he comes for them, do you understand what I'm saying? Then they'll know who he is, and then they will embrace him. And, and, and many other scriptures point out that they will, be, Daniel very clearly talks about that they will be almost to the point of not existing anymore when they embrace. And this is where we're moving. We're moving to that point. And we need to understand that. So then, here's what he's going to talk about, the current reality. And here's where we're at right now. Look with me at verse 28. Here's where they're at right now. When we talk about Israel, here's where they're at. Verse 28, with regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. What does that mean? Well, here's what it is. Currently, they're opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that, right? Currently, they're opposed but he wants you to have a bigger picture. So here's what he does. He, again, same verse. Look with me at verse 28 and 29. But with regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their father. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Here's the next point I want you to see. But one day they will believe because God's calling is irrevocable. What do you mean it's irrevocable? Right now they're disobedient. He's done with them. No, 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 no. He's not done. Why? Because he made a covenant with them. What do you mean he made a covenant with them? He made a covenant with them. Going all the way back to Abraham. Remember the covenant with Abraham? What do you mean? Well, do you remember? He was to take certain animals and cut them in half and, and place them a certain way. 
And in their day, in the ancient times, what they would do is if I entered in, let's say I entered into an agreement here with uh, Dale here in front of me, what we, we entered into a contract. You know, today we would sign a contract. You know, we'd sign our names to a contract. What they would do is they would cut a covenant. And what they would do is they would take these animals and they would cut them in half and I would stand on one side of these animals that are cut apart right here and Dale would stand on the other side and we would walk to the middle and then we would exchange sandals. I wear a size 12, Dale. I don't know what size you wear, bud. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully it's big, okay? What's that? Okay, but you'll be okay in mine, okay? And, and we would cut a covenant. Now, with Abraham, remember, the Lord brings a deep sleep upon him, and what does he see? A pot. Coals coming down. The Lord coming down, making the covenant with him. But he's not meeting Abraham in the middle. The covenant wasn't based on Abraham. It was based on who, folks? The Lord. That's the covenant. And his calling and his gifts are irrevocable. He still has a place for who? Israel. What does that mean for you and I? Hey, folks, he made a covenant with you when you got saved, right? And were you doing anything for your salvation? No. Who did it? Jesus, right? He did it all. It's not based on you. Same thing with them. One day they'll believe because God's calling is irrevocable. But then he also points out the reality that we need to see. And this is it. You need to understand this. Look with me at verses 30 to 32. Here's what he says. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God and now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have been disobedient in order that mercy might be shown to you. They also will now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. What's he talking about here? Well, all humanity is bound to sin and unbelief. Yet God has mercy on some. What do you mean we're bound to sin and unbelief? What do you mean by that? Well, I know we like to think that all everybody's born good, but we're not. You're not born good. You know that. How do you know that? Have you taught your little one to do wrong? To be selfish? To say, mine? You know what I'm saying? Or to get with other little ones and take toys and, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and lie? I mean, I, I've yet to see a book on how to lie, right? Those come natural to us. How did how, how'd that happen? We were born that way. Why were we born that way? Because the original two people, Adam and Eve, did what? Sinned. And sin has been passed on to every human being ever since. And because of sin, we've already seen that, all are condemned, all fall short. They're all going to hell. So all humanity is bound to sin and unbelief. Yet God has what? Mercy. And in verses 30 to 31, he said, they were disobedient so that what? You and I could believe. 
And because you and I believe, they'll one day what? Believe as well again. This is reality. So then he brings it back to the ultimate point that we need to see here. And this is where you and I need to understand that everything is moving to a point. It's all God's plan because it's sometimes hard for me to even keep straight what's going on. I have to rest that somebody else is in control and that somebody, aren't you glad, isn't me. Aren't you glad for that? Just like I'm glad it isn't you. Okay? It's who? God, the sovereign one. So here's what he says. Look with me, verse 33. Oh, the depths and riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Who's given God advice? I know we try to. This is what I think you should do, Lord. Aren't you glad he doesn't listen to us? Who, who's given him a payment that he's got to pay us back, that we're, he's a debtor to us? He's not a debtor to nobody. So here, here's what I want you to see. When we talk about the sovereign, plan, plan, the sovereign God and his plan, God's plan reveals the depth of his wisdom and knowledge. The way he set things up, reveals the depth and wisdom of his knowledge. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Okay, so I have, I'm not going to express what it is, I have a political preference in life. Everybody does, okay? And so I am 57 years old. I started voting at 18. I wish I could have voted earlier. I wasn't happy with who my dad voted for in 1980. And I wish I could have voted then, but I didn't. I had to wait till 1984 so I could vote, okay? Because that's when I was 18. And, and so I have a personal preference, but to be honest with you, it doesn't mean anything. Why? Because since that time of me first voting in 1984, we're coming up to another election here in 2024. That's 40 years of voting. 40 years of voting in national elections, 40 years of voting in local elections, state elections, and so forth. So I'm going to tell you right now, you might find this hard to believe, that not everybody I voted for won. Anybody here, everybody you vote for won? I don't see anybody raising their hand, right? Now, have I been disappointed in the past? Very, very disappointed. Have I lost sleep sometimes when I was younger over who won or who didn't win or whatever? And, and, and here's what I've come to the conclusion of. I had to let the scriptures tell me something different to put it all in perspective. What do you mean the scriptures? Well, Daniel. The book of Daniel is actually in chapter 4, as well as in chapter 5. An interesting thing happens. It happens with two different people. It happens, first of all, with King Nebuchadnezzar, a word of the Lord through the prophet Daniel, and as well to another guy named Belshazzar, his grandson. 
I'll go, actually, let's go to Daniel chapter 5. Everybody remembers the writing on the wall, right, from Sunday school, right, okay? And here is the message that God gives about who's really in control, okay? So don't get freaked out when your dude you vote for didn't win, okay? Here's what he says. Daniel chapter 5. Okay, verse 18. O king... The Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. Because of the greatness that he gave him, all the peoples and nations and language trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. Whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would raise up, whom he would also humble. But in his heart, his heart was lifted up and it was hardened so that he dealt with him proudly and he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made a beast and his dwelling was with wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew, and this is the point, here's the point, listen to me, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. This is mentioned twice in Daniel. It's mentioned in other books. I just recently was reading it in one of the Minor Prophets. The reality is, is he's moving everything to what? A point. And it can I be irritated? Yeah. Can I grieve? Yeah. But I have to rest in who? God, you're the one that's still in control, and I don't understand, but I'm going to rest in you. Help me to know what to do. Why? Because God's plan reveals the depth of his wisdom and knowledge. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Look with me now. We'll go back to Romans Here's what he says in verse 36. This is, again, keeping us in perspective. For from him and through him and to, who, to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. What's he talking about here? Well, God deserves all glory because, are you ready for this? He is the source of and sustainer of all things. This is the bigger picture. This is where we need to be moving to in our minds. Yes, you exercise your rights as citizens. You vote, you do. Yes, you do the things in your life to do what's right. You try to live peaceably among all men. But life doesn't happen in accordance with what we want it to do. Just ask the people who live on that island in Maui. Whose homes just got wiped. Did they have any control? Did they have any warning? God is the one we have to look to. And we have to rest in him. And we have to do what we have to do. Because ultimately, everything's moving to a point. What? So that people can continue to get saved. And then ultimately, when Jesus comes back, Israel turns back to him. Because then everything will be put right, right? All right, so what do we do with this? All right. 
you and I have to get to a point. I guess it's, it's a lot with me as well. I have to get to a point where I've got to quit freaking out. I've got to quit getting angry. I've got to quit getting angry, not just on a national level, but even just in my individual life. What do you mean in your individual life, George? I've got to quit freaking out because I have plans for what I wanted to do. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 57. I am 57. I'm going to be 58 in February. And, uh, and I, 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 I was looking at some of my peers from my college days, and I was looking at what they achieved in life and where I'm at, and I'm thinking, wow, you wrote different stories for them, God. Why couldn't my story be? Well, because that's not my story. His purpose was something different. And, 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 and I guess what I'm saying is, is I think we've got to quit freaking out. Quit freaking out about being so defeated by what we wanted out of life and what our dreams are and come to a place of resting in who? The God that I have a relationship with. Who the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. Though he yet stumble, he'll not be utterly cast out, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Psalm 37. God is there with us. And so when I look at a passage like this, where he's talking about his people Israel, and God's plan for that, and how he rests in that, I have to look and say, okay, God, you have a plan for my life. You have a plan for us as a people. You have a plan for us as a church. You have a plan for the world and where it's all heading to. And, and God, I am glad I'm not in control. Because why, why can I say that? Because I guess at 57, a lot of the things that I wanted, I'm glad it never happened. Did you know what I'm saying? I'm glad it never happened. Because where would I be right now if I had gotten what I really wanted then? Because now in my maturity, I look back and I think, wow, I'm glad that didn't happen. That was a disaster waiting to happen. You were gracious to me, Lord. You didn't answer that prayer. Amen. Do, do you know what I'm saying? There are lots of prayers that I'm glad he didn't answer. At the time, I wanted him to, but he didn't answer them. And so you have to come to a place of resting in the Lord. Because why? He's the one who's sovereign. And he is the what? Sustainer of everything. He's the source of everything. So rest in him. And that's what we need to take. Because next week when we get into chapter 12, he's going to start telling you how we should be living. How we should be the people of God. And he spends 12 13, 14, 15, and 16. He spends five chapters telling us that. Let's look to him, right? Let's pray.